Romans chapter 8. We're going there in just a moment. We've been talking about the supernatural. Uh, I see, uh, before I go any further, I see some sleepy chaperones in the house today. They were, they had a wild time at Wild Ones. Uh, woo! They had a wild one. I can tell by looking at them. I remember those days. I don't miss them. But I'm, 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 I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that you're here. The, I remember those sleepy, uh, the, I remember those sleepy chaperone eyes. I remember those. Uh, but I know they had a great time. I can't wait to hear all about that. We've been talking about the supernatural. Uh, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. I believe this is week four. And I'm going to go there again today and going to uh, answer some questions for you. Because um, often whenever we talk about the Holy Spirit, or we sing songs about the Spirit, we listen to teachings about the Spirit, listen to podcasts about the Holy Spirit. Usually it's about the power that comes with it, and there is a power that comes with it. The Word says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And we hear about that power, the power to, to, to speak to dead things, the power, uh, the, uh, the, the power in the tongue, the power uh, to cast out demons, and just so much power that comes in that Spirit-filled life. And all of it's true and all of it's necessary. But I also want us to understand today that the Holy Spirit is a person. Amen. He is, he is a person. Uh, God the Father is in heaven. Jesus is at his right hand. And the Holy Spirit is part of the Godhead that is still moving and flowing here on planet earth. And that is why the church, not just us, but the church, every church needs to understand uh, what the Holy Spirit is, the power of it, and how to operate in the Spirit because He is that part of the Godhead that is moving throughout earth today. And that is why we have to learn how to surrender our will to the Spirit because if you've been born again, I want to remind you this morning that if you've been born again, you've been born into the kingdom of God. Amen? Whenever you were born, you were born into sin. But whenever you ask Christ into your heart, you are born into the kingdom of God. How do, how do you become part of a, an earthly kingdom? You have to be born into it. And the same is uh, in the spirit. You are born into a spiritual kingdom. It is the kingdom of God. Uh, now you belong to heaven, and you're only here on earth as an ambassador of heaven. You are an an ambassador. What, what is an ambassador? What does he or she do? We have ambassadors for the, our nations in other nations, and they are in other nations, and they are representing our government. They are representing our beliefs and the way that we do things in our structure. So now that you are an ambassador, if you have been born again, uh, you do not represent your opinion. You, you're not here to represent your government, but God has you here on planet earth to represent heaven. Amen. You are to be representing heaven in everything that you do. And so often we'll say, well, let me tell you what I think or let me tell you the way that it should be or the way that it should operate. But no, whenever you whenever you are born again and filled with the Spirit, you are here to represent the mind of the Father. Amen. You are here to represent the heart of the kingdom. You're here to reflect the kingdom. You are an ambassador. And you, you, you may find yourself in 
like a lot of people, in a lot of different circumstances that you don't like to be in. One of those may be your job. You may not like your job. You may not like your place of employment. The people are crazy. They're rude. You don't like working with them. Well, guess what? God put you there to be an ambassador in the middle of the chaos. Amen? Uh, you, you, you are there in the middle of it all to represent the kingdom. That is why we have to learn how to surrender and yield to the Spirit because whenever you get in a place where you don't like the people or there's someone who is testing you, there's someone who's pushing your buttons, there's the, 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 the environment puts you into a corner and you don't like it. Whenever you find yourself in one of those places, so often your emotions will take you one way. Your feelings will take you another way. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand, but, you're, but, you're, but your emotions have gotten the best of you at some point and you went off on somebody who didn't deserve it. You gave somebody your peace of mind. Some of you think that is a spiritual gift. No, it is not. Giving someone your mind is not a gift. It's actually a curse because uh, it's, it's actually a curse of the Spirit because whenever you are full of the Spirit, you're supposed to be able to control your tongue. Amen. So it's not a gift. Don't let the devil lie to you, okay? Uh, but so many times we, we, we feel that uh, we, 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 we lash out, we speak out, we say something that we should not say. But we have to learn how to yield to the Spirit. Amen. We have to learn whenever we are in a situation to stand back and assess it and say, what does the Lord want me to say in this moment? What, what would God have me say in this moment? What would Jesus do? Let's go back to the 90s. WWJD. What would Jesus do in this moment? Because you are an ambassador and God has you here to reflect the kingdom of God in everything that you do. So the next time you find yourself in a mess, don't go off but yield because God put you there in that mess to represent heaven. You find yourself in an argument. Guess what? God puts you there to represent the kingdom of God. You find yourself, if you ever find yourself if so, bless your heart. If you ever find yourself in a political debate, before you go off, you need to rep before you represent a political party, you need to represent heaven. Amen. Because God called you to represent him before you represent anything else of this world. Amen. Why? Because I, I may be in this world, but I'm not going to be of it because I am a citizen of the kingdom. And when people look at you, when people look at me, God wants them to see heaven. When people are listening Listening to you talk in the marketplace, at a restaurant, uh, up on stage, wherever it may be, guess what? God wants them to feel like they are listening to the sounds of heaven. Why? Because you are an ambassador and you see things differently. Why? Because the Spirit is in you. Whenever things happen on planet Earth, there are a lot of people who freak out, but the ambassadors of God should not be part of the freak outers, okay? There is this thing happening overseas, right? Right now, and 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 there there is war and there is turmoil going on, and we need to be praying for those people. But the ambassadors of the Lord, you should not be caught off guard by such things. Why? Why? Whenever you are, whenever everybody's freaking out and they're and they're getting their Armageddon closet ready, and they're getting dried food, and they got helmets, and they got baseball bats, and they're stocking up on artillery, and you're sitting here walking around like you've got peace and joy, and they're looking at you like. 
like, how do you do that? Because you, because you are an ambassador. You see things in the spirit. You see what scripture coming to life. You say, well, praise God, he's coming back. He's getting ready. And they're wondering how you have such joy because you know the end of the story. You know the trumpet's going to sound one day. You know your feet's going to come up off of this stage and you're going to be in glory. It may be turmoil, but you know the end of the story. That is what God has put you here for is to be an ambassador and to know and to and to represent who he is. And the devil hates it. The devil cannot stand ambassadors. One. And number two, he cannot and he cannot he cannot stand when a bunch of ambassadors get together in unity. He cannot stand it when people who say I'm part of the kingdom can sit in the same room with people who are different shades than they are. He cannot stand it. He cannot stand it when people who are ambassadors can get around other people who don't smell like they do and they can still have joy. He cannot stand it whenever the rich and the poor ambassadors can get together and they can make a difference for the kingdom. He cannot stand it when the ambassadors, when you and I get together on Sunday mornings and there's unity. He cannot stand it when people of the kingdom get together and start building one another up. How many of you know God created us to build one another up? That's why he says do not forsake the meeting, the coming together. Why? Because there's this is something you can't get in a workplace. You can't be encouraged in the workplace, the marketplace. God called us to be together so we can look in each other's eyes and say, I don't know what you're going through, but you're going to make it. I don't know where you've been. I don't know where you're going, but the Lord just want me to tell you, guess what? He hears you and he sees you. The devil can't stand it when ambassadors come together and start building one another up. He hates it when ambassadors get together and they are on the same page and they start fanning into flame. They start stirring up the gifts of each other. He cannot stand it. Why do you think the devil wants us to fight all the time? The devil loves a fighting church. He loves it. He loves a church divided. He loves, he, loves, he loves a church to fight. That's why he wants us to fight all the time because if he can get the ambassadors, the leaders that, 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 that say they are a part of the kingdom, if he can get them working against one another, if he can get representatives of the kingdom to start arguing, it makes his job a lot easier. Come on now. He, he loves a fighting church. He loves for your home to be divided. He loves for your marriage to be on the rocks. He loves for there to be tension among believers. He loves it. He loves it. The nation will not be unified until the church gets unified. I said the nations cannot be unified until the church gets unified. If you've been praying for the nations to get unified, keep on. But you need to be praying for the churches to get unified because the churches can't get on the same page. We can't, we don't, we don't know, we don't know where to stand on homosexuality. We can't get on the same page about abortion. We can't get on the same page about racism. And here we are over these over these simple justices that are pointed out in scripture and we're saying we in the church cannot even get on the same page in this day, in this hour. That is a trick of Satan, my friend, because he's trying to get the ambassadors of Christ, those who are representing the kingdom to argue and fight and say, well, I don't know what you believe and I, don't, I can't believe like that, so I must not be a Christian. Well, I cannot be a part of the body. But if the ambassadors ever get to 
together on the same page. If the body, if the bride of Christ ever gets unified, the word says how good and pleasant is it when the brethren dwell together in unity. He said it's like the oil that's flowing down the beard of Aaron. The oil is the spirit and the beard, the face, the head. It is a representation of leadership. He said when the spirit gets on the leaders, the ambassadors, the word says that is the very place of blessing. Romans 8, verse 31. Open your word with me today. Scroll over, turn over, whatever you need to do. Romans 8, verse 31. It says, what then? Shall we say to these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who? Somebody say who. If God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Verse 34. Who is he who condemns? Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who? It's never what. It's always who. You need to, that is, that is a, if you can get that lesson in your spirit, it's not a what, it's always a who. Mama said it, watch who you hang around. It's the who. Because the who will always lead you to the what. Watch kids start hanging around a group, and it leads them to the what. It leads them to that thing that they get addicted to. It leads them to that, it, 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 it leads them to a new way of talking, a new way of thinking. The who, the who. The devil will use a who to get the what into your life. Hmm. The devil will always, we're not wrestling against fresh, uh, flesh and blood, but guess what? The devil will always use somebody to carry out his plan. He will always do it. It's the who. A lot of addicts can tell you the who that offered them their first hit of something. They can tell you the who that they watched drink, that they watched smoke it, that they watched do that. They can tell you the who that if they had, ne if they had not been around that who, they may not have never got addicted to that what. Why? Because that is, that is the power of the who. And he said, who can separate us? Who can come against us? If you are going through a spiritual war, right now. So often we try to figure out the what and the why. What is it? Why am I going th through this? You need to start asking the who. Whenever you feel like there is something coming up against you, you need to step back and say, who is carrying out the plan of Satan against my life? I'm just telling you, it comes that way. It is the who. The last few weeks we've been talking about the power of the Spirit. Last week I talked about the knowledge of the Spirit. Today I want you to know that the Spirit is praying for you. A few weeks ago I talked about Paul. He wrote this book of Romans. I told you about how Paul was not part of the original 12, but later he comes on and he becomes an apostle and becomes united with them. And he had one of the most radical transformations ever to be recorded in Scripture. He was known for literally killing uh, ambassadors of Christ. And the Lord meets him one day on this road and literally changes his life forever. And he, he, he leaves in that moment and goes to 
to a part of Asia and he, and he is discipled and he learns and he comes back and he begins to write over, over half of what is now known as the New Testament. And if you remember... I told you that he was not a great preacher. He was not a great preacher. I used the story how one day there was a young man sitting in a window and he's listening to him preach. And the, and, and the young man literally falls asleep while he's preaching and falls out of the window to his death. He literally preached him to death. That's how boring his preaching was. But after he did that, he came down, he quit preaching and he walked outside, walked down the stairs and the word says that he laid hands on that boy and that boy got up. He may not could have preached that well, but there was a power in him. I don't know about you. I would take a good prayer prayer warrior over, over a good message any day of the week and he, lay, he laid his hands on him and he, he, he executed the power that had been inside of him. And while, and while he may not have been of that great of a preacher, as soon as as his pen would hit paper, something started happening. He was a magnificent writer. If he was alive today, Romans would have been his bestseller. He would have been on the New York Times bestseller list with just the book of Romans. It was, it was his prized possession. It, it, is, it, is, it is truly a journey about the grace of God. And he starts in Romans chapter 1 and he talks about the corrupt mind of humanity. And in Romans 2, he talks about how how God gave a law, but that law could not save the people. And then in Romans chapter 3, he talks about the faith of Abraham. And then he takes the faith of Abraham to our faith and starts to tell us that if we put our faith in Jesus, he can wash our sins away and make us whole again. In chapter 6, he's writing and he speaks about how grace abounds even more. And then in chapter 7, we see Paul telling his story. And now that grace abounds even more, guess what? He starts telling us of how he's wrestling with his flesh and with the spirit. Has anyone ever been there where you've wrestled with the flesh and the spirit? Guess what? Paul, the author of the New Testament, he is here. And he is wrestling with the flesh and with the spirit. And in Romans chapter 7 15 he says I do not understand what I do for what I want to do I do not do but what I hate I do has anybody ever been there well you knew what you should be doing but you just hated doing it and what you hated doing you kept doing it out of habit it's like you were addicted to it Paul is here and he's wrestling he said I know what I should be doing but I cannot get myself to do it as anybody am I the only person that's ever been there I know what I should be eating but I don't want to eat that. I know I should be working out, but I don't want to get off the couch. I know I should not be sitting here on my phone. I should be reading the Word, but there's no pictures in the, in the Bible. And you're sitting here, and you're going back and forth. I know what I should, but I don't want to do it. I hate, I know, I know. And here he is. He is wrestling with the flesh and the Spirit. And then he gets here to one of the pinnacle moments of, his, of this book, of the, of the book of Romans in chapter 8. And he's been sharing, and he's been writing, and he's been building up to this climactic moment. And he writes down, and he says to the church, he says to the people, if God be for us, who can be 
against us? Who shall separate us? I mean, it is like he is striking fire. The fire is burning. The people are screaming, we want more. Keep writing. People are saying, amen. I mean, he is laying it down. The crowd is going wild. But one thing really sticks out to me in this verse, and I don't even know if they caught it because it was just so good at the moment. It's the word if. If. How? Here we are in this moment, and it's just one of those shouting, just one of the shouting moments in Paul's writings. It's powerful. It's electric. Boogie, woogie, woogie. I know you thought it, you 90s kids. Now it's stuck in your head too, isn't it? Powerful word. Electric, magnetic. I mean, it was like, woo! I mean, we're still, we're, we're, we say it today. I mean, and people are coming to the, if God be for us, who can be against us? But this one word, if, I don't know about you, but I don't need an if God. I want to write now, God. I, I, don't, I don't need, I don't, if I'm ever in the middle of a situation, I don't know, is God for me or is he not? Is he going to be here? Uh, I don't know. I don't know about you. It just hits me, this question of what is this if? Who, why, why is it an if? Why did he put it in there? And whenever you're reading Scripture, let me teach you something. Whenever you're reading Scripture and you come across this question like, what is that in there? What is that even talking about? The thing you need to do is you need to start backtracking. And this, is, this, this passage right here is one of those verses that's so good just to read backwards. I just read you Romans 8.31. So let's look back to 8.30. Open up your word with me, open it up, scroll over what do you got to do. It says, the, the 30th verse, the verse before that says, moreover, whom he predestined, those he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Keep looking back. Verse 29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Back it up. Verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who were called according to his purpose. Verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought to. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So how do I know that God is for me. How do I know if he is? If you caught the pattern as I was reading this backward, the things that were leading up to the if were in the past tense. Those he called, those he justified, those he glorified. In other words, he was saying it in the present, but he was telling them it's already been done. It's so hard for the human mind to understand. In other words, the things that I'm working toward, the things that I'm pressing forward to, 
God looks back in his rearview mirror and has already done it for me. He's already protected me. The battle's already been won. When he hung on the cross and said, it is finished. When he said, it is finished, guess what? He called me, he justified me, and he glorified me. I could not see it in the moment, but he said, I've already done it for you. It's already been done. So when I'm looking forward, God is looking back and said, it's already done. Why? Because the word says that the steps of a good man are ordered. How can he order the steps? Because God has already planned out your steps. He's already been to the end and says, look, this is where I want you to be. And we wonder, well, I wonder if God will be there today. I wonder if God is for me. Let me tell you, God is for you because he has called you, he has justified you, and now he's glorifying you. Can you say amen today? And God is saying, let me assure you that I will be there. Why? Because I've already called you. He said, I've glorified you. What is glory? Adam fell short of the what? The glory. He fell short in the book of Genesis when he sinned. And Jesus says, whenever I come to you, I'm giving it back to you. Whenever you are born again, I'm pouring, my, I'm pouring myself on you. Psalm 8 says that he has crowned men with glory and with honor. What does that mean to be, to be crowned with glory? What does it mean to have his glory on you? Let me tell you what it means. It means that whenever I find myself in a trial, heaven will come beside me and back me up. It means because of his glory in me, when I speak to a mountain, the mountain has got to move. It means that when a hurdle is before me, because he has glorified me and his glory is inside of me, it means that whenever I get to a hurdle that I can't jump over, the spirit comes and is like a catalyst. It's like a fire and it pushes me over the hurdle. It's just like Jesus speaking to that fig tree because of the glory that's upon me. Guess what? Now you and I, we have the power of life and death in our tongue. And because of the glory, we can speak to something and say, you got to live again. You shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. Why? Because there is a glory inside of us that he has put inside of us. He glorified us. I don't know about you, but I'm so glad that God is for me. Amen. I don't know about you. I'm so glad that God is for me. That is why I can get up in the morning and say, not today, Satan. You don't want to mess with me. I just want you to know, today God is for me. You better not mess with me today. God is for me. Sometimes you need to look at your children and say, don't mess with me today, children. My God is for me. Can I get an amen? God is for me. I don't know about you, but I'm also glad that he called me. He called me. It's already been done. When he was on the cross, he was calling me. He said, it's finished. My calling was in heaven. It's waiting for my response. He called me. Whenever he, he called you, if he called you, it means that he actually wants you. Don't you hate it when somebody calls you that you don't want to talk to? Thank God that we can see everybody's name and number who calls us these days. Remember those days? There was no such thing. Star 69, you got to block it. Star 69, tell me who it was. The day of the pager, 
Y'all turn it upside down to read it? Hey. You remember those days? I know I'm not the only one that old. And I never had a pager. He called you, and if he called you, guess what? It means that he wants you. You don't call people that you don't want. If, if, if I don't want you, I'm not going to call you. But if I call you, I want you. That God may not have wanted you, but good news this morning. God has called you. God wants you. Your parents may not have wanted you. They may have given you up for adoption. Praise the Lord. Guess what? God called you, and he knew you in your mother's womb. He knew everything that you were going to do, and he still wanted you. And when the father calls his kids, he expects them to come running. It said he justified me, justified me on the cross before he even knew everything I was going to do wrong. It's how the Lord works. He was justifying me. It's like, it's like when you stand in front of a bunch of jurors and they say guilty, guilty, guilty. And they, and, and, they, and they are going down and nobody is for you. But here comes the Lord. Here comes God himself. Here comes the Spirit moving in the way. And he gets between you and the jurors being the head judge. And he steps between you and those that are judging you. And he says, look, I heard the charges. I know everything that he's done. But because he is mine, because he's been washed in the blood, guess what? None of those things will be on his report. He will not he will not be found guilty. It is gone. He has been justified and he's glorifying you. How do I know that God is for me? He called me. He justified me. He glorified me. He's allowing his glory to be seen in me. The word said that even before that he foreknew me. Huh. Did you get that? He loved me and didn't even know all the wrong I was going to do yet. He foreknew me. And the worst is that he predestined me. This one is tricky because there's a lot of people that believe that there's some people predestined to go to heaven and there's some that are not. I do not believe that way. I believe everybody has a choice. He predestined them to be the image of the son, the word said. He wanted them to look like his son. He predestined. And when you break down the word uh, predestined, pre means before. Destiny literally breaks down into the word the end, the before the end. So what did he do? Before he even knew you, God went to the end of your story and said, this is where I want my child to be. This is what, this is what, this is what I want my daughter to do. She can come here or not, but this is my desire. This is my destiny for her. She may make some choices along the way. He may mess up along the way, but at the end... God went to your end before you even had a beginning and he was calling to you and he was speaking to you and he was laying down the word. He was laying down the works. He was, he was doing this all for you. He loves you. Why? How do I know if God is for me? How do I know? Because he called me. He justified me. He, 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 is, he is calling me. He, 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 is, he knows me before I even knew myself. Before your parents even knew that you were a thing, you were justified. Before you were even conceived, you were called. He was calling you to something greater. He was calling you to be like him. How do I know that this verse 28 that we all quote and have on, have on the wall and have on shirts, that how do I know that this thing is real? You got to back it up. 
Somebody say, back it up. We ain't going with that song today. You got to back it up. I need some backup. Band, help me. Get me out of this mess. I'm just going to back it on up. How do I know that he works all things for the good of those that love him? You got to back up to verse 27 where he says what? Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Who is, who, who is this he's talking about? It's another question. You got to back it up. Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. He's your helper. Aren't you thankful that the Spirit is your helper? For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought to, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And here we are. One of the most controversial things in Christianity, the moving of the Spirit. How do I know if God is for me? Because the Spirit is continuously praying for you. How do I know He's for me? The Word said that the Spirit is interceding for you. Look at your neighbor and say, you have somebody that is praying for you at all times. Come on, remind them. The Spirit is praying for you at all times. The Holy Spirit that is inside of you. Sometimes it comes out in a heavenly prayer language. Praying in the Spirit. And whenever I talk about this, people's knees start to knock. Like, oh Lord, here we go. Another fanatic, another crazy. It's Scripture. When the Spirit inside of you, the supernatural inside of you, it comes out in a heavenly prayer language. In the, in the Word, it's called speaking in tongues. And I could preach about that too if you want. But sometimes, that's why you hear people around you speaking in tongues. They are praying. They are, they are that's why you may hear people up here if you're watching at home. If somebody's got a microphone around and you may hear it every once in a while. Why? Because it is the Spirit that is coming out. He's interceding and He's crying out. Because sometimes whenever you come up against enemies, sometimes when you find yourself in a season that you don't know what to do. Has anybody ever been in a season where you did not know what to do? I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to, I don't know which door to walk through. I don't even know what I should be praying. And all of a sudden you find yourself in a season and you begin to wrestle with fear and anxiety. And all of this stuff comes upon you. But guess what? That is when the Spirit comes out of you. When you are in a season of like, Lord, I'm giving it to you. I, I'm surrendering my will to yours. Because God, I've done everything that I can do. I've prayed every prayer that I can pray. I've knocked on every door that I can knock on. Spirit, I need you. And the Spirit comes and what He is doing, He and the Spirit begins to speak. And what the Spirit is saying to you, He's saying, look, you may not know what to do, but I do. You may not know what to pray, but I'm going to pray you through this. Your call 
brought you to it. Now the anointing, the spirit is going to bring you through it. I'm going to pray you through this thing. And whenever you begin to pray in the spirit, your problems begin to shift. Doors start to open. The wrong doors start to close. Chains start breaking. Things start shaking. And things start working out for your good. That is the power of praying in the spirit. Stand with me this morning. Because you've got the Holy Ghost that is going to pray you through it. How do I know that God is for me? Because the Spirit is continuously praying for me. He is continuously moving me from glory to glory to glory. We've looked backwards. Now, let's play it forward. How do I know He's for me? That's where I ended at. I've got a Holy Spirit that knows the mind of God for my life and he's constantly interceding for me so I know everything's going to work out for my good. How do I know that? Because if I go down to the next verse, it says that the Spirit, he foreknew me, he, he called me, he justified me, he's glorified me and because of that, if God be for me, who can be against me? And if, if nobody can come against me, guess what? That means I am an overcomer through Jesus Christ, amen. And since God is for me, if I were you, I would not come against me today. And since God is for me, guess what? If I were you, I wouldn't gossip about me today. Tell your neighbor, God is for me. If I were you, neighbor, I wouldn't talk about me today because God is for me. If I were you, neighbor, before you lie about me, I just want you to know, let it be known, God is for me. Before you make up a rumor about me, guess what? I just want you to know, neighbor, guess what? The Spirit is continuously interceding for me. Before you go off on me, I just want you to be aware that guess what? God is for me. I want you to say it. God is for me. Say it. God is for me. Say it. God is for me. Come on, we're going to sing this out this morning. I don't want to upset you, but, you know, whenever you're going through some things and you're sharing your story and you, you're telling everybody what you're going through, you have so many people say, I'm praying for you. But you know good and well, a lot of them don't even pray for themselves. And if they don't pray for themselves, they probably ain't praying for you, brother. There's some of them people you probably don't even want them praying for you. I'm just being honest with you today. But the next time you find yourself with your back against the wall, you need to know something. The Spirit of God is praying for 
you. He is calling out your name. When you don't know what else to pray, if you would just open up your mouth and let the Spirit speak to you, He is calling out for you. He is interceding for you. He's saying, Lord, move him. Lord, break that chain. He's saying, devil, back up. He's saying, cancer, you gotta go. He's saying, change, you gotta fall. He's saying, marriage, you gotta get back together. He's saying, wayward child, get there. Why? Because God is for you. I don't know if you understand the power of God being for you. You don't need a teacher for you. You don't need, I don't need the mayor for me. I don't need the president to know my name. Because God is for me. He's for you. I really think you need to tell your neighbor again, God is for you. Come on. Prophesy to him. Tell him. God is for you. I don't know what you're going through, but God is for you. I don't know where you've been, but God is for you. I really don't know if you're getting that God is for you today. I really don't know if you know the totality of what that means. That God is for you. And if God is for you, no devil in hell, no demon in hell can prosper against you. God is for you. Come on. He God is for, for you today. You. He is for you. He's for you, you today. He is for you. Come on. He is for you. 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 In this place today, you say, you know what? I'm up against a mountain. I've got a hurdle. I've got something in my life that needs to break. I've got something, and I need I need the help of the Spirit today. Would you just raise up your hand? I want to pray with you. I see 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 you. Lord, right now, every hand that's being raised, something's got to break in their life, Lord. Break off that sickness. Break off that bad report. Break off that mind frame. Break off that way of thinking. Break off that, that habit. Break off that old protocol and give them a protocol of the kingdom. Lord, I pray right now that that mountain that is in front of them, they are calling out to it in faith. Even if they have faith as small as a mustard seed, they are speaking to that mountain today and they're crying out in the spirit and they are telling it to move. I think somebody right now, you just need to say move. Come on, say move. Come on, open up your mouth and with authority and say move. Come on, say get out of the way. You gotta get out of the way. You can't be there anymore. Say mountain move. Say chains be gone. Depression, you gotta go today. Day. Come on, I want you to say move with me. Move it. You gotta go. If God is for me, who can be against me today? Come on, will you just come on, we're gonna sing this out today? Come on, sing it out over your situation. Something has to break. Something has to break. 
believe you'll get me through it. I believe that you will do it right now. Let's put our hands together today and thank the Lord. I want to pray with you one more time. I'm going to let you go, I promise. Can you just close your eyes and bow your head right where you are? If you're in this place today and you say, you know what? I need Jesus. Yes, I need the Spirit, but before that, I need to come clean. I need to, I need to come back to the cross. I need Jesus as my Savior today. I need to know Him. I, I wanna, I wanna find Him today. You may, you may have found Him when you were five years old in children's church, but you've been through some stuff. You may have found Him five weeks ago, but you've been through some things. You say, you know what? I need to come back home to God. I, I, I need Jesus as my Savior today. If that's you, I'm not gonna embarrass you today, but I just want you to raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. If you're here. You say, you know what? I need Jesus. I see you today. Anybody else that I need Jesus today? Anybody else just raise you? I see you today. Anybody else said, I need Jesus today. Today's your day. Today's your day. If God is for you, you need him today. Anybody else? I see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand. You four or so people, I want you to repeat after me. Legacy Church is going to repeat with you. We want you to know we're here with you today. Right where you are, if you raise your hand, if you're one of those four, I want you to say, say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father. Come on, church, say it with me. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. And I confess my sins. I confess that I'm not perfect. And I believe today that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross. He was placed in a tomb. And on the third day, he got up. I believe his blood was shed for me. So today, I declare I am saved. I've been set free. You are for me. And if you are for me, the devil cannot be against me. I declare today I've been saved. Come on, I've been saved. I've been changed, I've been delivered, and I want you to say, I will never go back. I will never go back, come on. Come on, I want you to say in the church, I want you to lift up a shout of praise like four people just found Jesus today. Come on, something's gotta break it. Oh, yes, Lord. And something has to break. Something has to break. Right now in your name, something has to break, something has to break, something has to break, right now in your name, something has to break. Can we just thank the Lord for his presence today and for being with us? you today. We're so thankful for you. Lord, we give you all the honor. Lord, none of this would be possible without you. We're just vessels. Just little vessels. Just ambassadors that are yielding to you. Say, Lord, if you can do anything, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Lord, I thank you today for your glory and for your presence. I thank you, Lord, that you've called us and you've 
justify us and you're glorifying us, Lord. I thank you, God. Amen and amen. Can you say amen with me today? Come on, say amen with me today. He says, that is right. Come on, say amen. Say, let it be. That's right. That is so. It's going to happen. Amen. I just want to remind you, March the 1st, registration is opening up for everyone. I just want to remind you, ladies, we have probably about 25 seats maybe for you to be at the IF gathering. Do not wait till the week before because you probably will not get in the door, all right? I love you all. I pray you have a fantastic day. Before you move, reminder, if you have a kid, if you have a child downstairs, we're going to open up our stairs so you can walk down. You must have your tag. Lord, before we go, keep your hand upon your people. Lead them, guide them, oh God. Strengthen them today. Lord, remind them that your spirit is interceding for them. Lord, remind them today that they've got a power like none other. We love you today and we thank you. Be with them today in your name. Amen and amen.